Hello, this is Todd Adams. This is Kathy Adams. Zen Parenting Radio. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, brought to you by Avid Painting and Remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. Um, 630-956-1800. Give them a call. Help us out. Parenting help, in the pre- help them out. Help us help them. Help me help, help you. you. That was our movie line from last week. Yes, it was. Jerry well, Maguire. Well, that was our movie, but that wasn't our movie line. Right. What was our movie line? It was, it's show... Oh, it's not show friends, it's show, show business. business. Um, parenting in the present. Where else are you going to parent? Well, more specifically, parenting in the present, not parenting from the past, and not parenting from the future. I think we have to differentiate between the three so people understand what it really means to parent in the present, because what you just said is true. Everyone would normally say, where else am I doing it? Yeah, now. There's no other time other than right now. But do you think people really live in the now? No. As a matter of fact, I'm usually either two minutes behind or 20 years behind or two minutes ahead or 20 years ahead. I think you live in your phone. <laughs> Is that a shot? That's a shot. I know. I know. No, it's not a shot. It's just, Yes, it is a shot. That was a shot. But it's just, I think that your phone has all the answers. Ah, oh, my phone. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of my phone right now. I am attached to it. You are very attached to it. And so what that would be would be using the phone to be in the future, mm-hmm. right? Because this phone wouldn't be passed. Right. Does that make sense? Like you're trying to figure out things in the future by holding tight to your phone. Yes, I'm attached to it. Right. So, anyways. <laughs> Does that make you sad? He's no, had, no. I just, sad it, it's just, um, you know, whatever. It's just I got to figure out a way to not be on my phone as much well this is what we're talking about today will be helpful because it's about being present and the and again what we mean by that everyone would just say well yeah i'm here of course i'm here my body's here but being present truly means being mindful of what's happening right now in this moment rather than spending all your energy focusing on what happened yesterday 10 years ago you know two weeks ago and even more important or sometimes more difficult not to think about what's going to happen tomorrow, not what's going to happen in 20 years, but to just be here. And when I say not to think about, I don't mean it's not something that we can contemplate or that we shouldn't plan. It just means if we spend all of our time worrying about what's going to happen, then we're never really here. And this is so important with, well, it's so important in every aspect of our lives with our relationship to ourself, our relationship with our partner, and our relationship with our kids, which is really what this show is about. But, you know, it's really the simple things. Like when you're hugging your child, are you really there hugging your child? Or is your mind thinking, I can't wait to get this kid out the door so I can clean the kitchen? It's like that time on Modern Family where Cameron, and what's Cameron's partner's name? Mitchell. Mitchell. Uh, Mitchell is really productive, and Cameron's trying to give him a hug. (laughs) That's right. And his arms are stretched out hugging, and at the same time, Mitchell is trying to write something on the to-do list on the refrigerator. Right. And I think that, you know, I laugh because we've all done that before, like where we're like, oh, yeah, I'm totally here, and really you're just trying to get through that moment. And that, you know, that language is so important. We're just getting through moments to get to the next moment, thinking that the next moment is somehow going to be better. better. Mm -hmm. And you know, I'm 40 now, as we all know. The big 4-0. The big 4-0. You're 39. We know that's not true. There is no moment. I mean, there, you know, there's parts of our lives that are more fun or more mm-hmm. enjoyable. But really, escaping one moment to get to the next moment 
isn't really helpful. Well, and you know, I think uh, before I had kids and I had like a guy's weekend plan where all we were going to do is drink and golf and stuff like that, I would kind of build it up and I would like get so enthusiastic about a weekend that was coming up and then I would be in it and I would, instead of being in the moment for the weekend, I'd be thinking about, oh, I got to go back to work on Monday. And it's just a constant cycle of what's happening next instead of what's happening now. And when you're in that, on that guy's weekend that you built up for so long, is it really that great? And when, and it's no, fun. No, I, is... I, I basically built up expectations that it not, it, there's no way it possibly could have been met. Right. Like sometimes I ruin experiences that I'm going to have by deciding how it's going to go. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to go out with my girlfriends. We're going to go to this place and then we're going to dance and then we're going to go to this place and eat and then we're going to do it like this. And if it doesn't work out that way, then the night was somehow not good. Mm-hmm. And I don't do that anymore. But that, you know, it's so much more fun. Like my birthday weekend to go into it and say, I'm just going to roll with it because really why I'm here is for these people and for me, you know, to enjoy this time. So who cares where we are or what it looks like or what, you know, and just to kind of go with it. And then the plan that I make, you know, because people will say, but don't you want to plan something? The plan that I make is that I'm going to go right. and then I'm going to make sure I have a babysitter for my kids and that, and then I'm going to let go and allow it and, to happen and allow it to happen and enjoy it right there rather than be 10 steps ahead of myself. There was a a part in the book of Eat, Pray, Love, and I don't remember exactly what it was, but I think the main character was at this magical place in Italy or Bali or wherever she was. And she's like, but I'm not... She was in Italy. She was in Italy. And she's like, I'm not going to be here Mm -hmm. for very long. So she already started thinking about maybe when she'd come back or something like that. I, I think the sto- I'm, I remember the part you're talking about in the book where she was telling a story. I think she was telling a story about another person. Okay. But that they were in Italy and that they were by this beautiful fountain in Italy and they had been thinking you know, about being there. And when they were at the fountain, the person thought to themselves, when am I going to be back here? Right. So instead of even enjoying the fountain, the thought you was... You know, the one moment in her life where she could sit there and enjoy it, she was right. already thinking... When am I going to be able to come back? Right. So she wasn't present for it at all to begin with. So doesn't that teach us that our brain, because I really don't think that's who we are. Mm-hmm. I don't think, you know, I believe that our self is completely separate from the crazy thinking that goes on in our head, the vicious cycle of thinking, that our brain will do that to us mm-hmm. and that we have to practice. It is a practice because right. I don't think we ever get it perfectly right. Practice being present and taking a breath and really being where you are in that moment. Right. I think it's easier to do that when things are good. Right. Because we say, oh, this is so great. Like right now, we're in Galena again. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so beautiful out here. And I'm looking at all the trees. We're surrounded by these windows and these trees right now. And it's so easy to say, oh, it's so beautiful. I love being here. I'm very present. But when my child is sick, mm-hmm. It's very hard to be present right. because that's an uncomfortable feeling. So we try and run away from that and say, but they weren't sick yesterday or how long are they going to be sick? Or, you know, we get we get kind of beyond ourselves and that definitely becomes a skill. Um, and, you know, I don't think we can, you know, uh, come up with all the answers to how to handle all those situations in this radio show today. But it's just being conscious of what we're doing and how we're not really if we're not in the present we're we're not really there for people you might be have to help me out with the story but there's that story about two monks are walking down the road yes and then some woman is on the road and she needs help and the monks have taken an oath 
to not either um, not speak or not be with other people, whatever yeah. it be. And so the one monk helps the woman out and carries her for a certain distance because yeah. she's hurt. And then she put she she delivers the woman to wherever she needed to go, he. or he he does. Mm-hmm. And then they walk down the road another few hours, and the other monk says to the one who helped the woman out. You really weren't supposed to do that. Yeah, he said, "I really have to say this to you." Yeah, you broke the law, you broke, or you broke the, the rules, and all that. And his, res- the guy who helped the woman out, his response was, um, "I stopped carrying I her. I stopped carrying her two hours ago. When are you going to stop?" Exactly. So it took me a while to figure what that figure out what that meant, but um, over time, I think I'm gaining a deeper appreciation right. for that story. His thoughts are holding on to the way it should have been, or worrying about what someone should have done rather than just being there and letting it go. Just let it go. And that is, again, you know, like Todd said, it's just a story. It's just a parable, a metaphor, whatever, for other things. Um, but let's come up with a um, an example of in our everyday lives with our kids. Oh, I know one. Oh, my gosh. Events when our children are singing or dancing or in a sport or whatever, and parents are stuck behind their cameras because they want to get the perfect shot or videotape it for the future. Right. And what happens, to me at least, what I've experienced is that if I am doing that, I do not even see them performing. So I'm missing the reality of what's happening so I can get it on film, which may or may not ever make it to... Right. A TV set, right. you know, we film like so much and we don't ever look at it. That's true. And um, and so we don't even get to take in that really great moment when our child is playing a sport or like, and, and I had this experience about a month ago, uh, Skyler was in a recital and you were going to be out of town. So I had to um, videotape her dress rehearsal. Right. And... So while, you know, the dress rehearsal is pretty darn cute too. And so while she was, you know, performing, I'm taping it and I literally could feel myself missing it because Mm -hmm. I could, yeah, I'm looking through the lens. You're worried about getting the shot and making sure that I'm happy what it is because I'm usually the camera guy. Because you were saying to me before, you're like, zoom in in and then don't zoom out. Right. And and so I'm trying to be conscious of that. So I completely missed it. But I need to challenge you a little bit in that um, if I, because I'm usually the one with the camera. If I don't take that videotape, then I'm not going to be able to, you know, 20 years down the road, look back and see this moment. So mm-hmm. what's the problem? Are you really deep with you or very surfacey with well, it? Let me answer my own question okay. first. As long as I use it, mm-hmm. um, and what I do is I make videos for each of the girls for each of their birthdays. So I know for a fact that when Skylar's doing this performance in this cute little costume, I am going to put it in another video. Mm-hmm. So I will be able to appreciate it 20 years down the road. But like you said, a lot of what we do as parents is we videotape everything and we never do anything with it. Mm-hmm. So then you're just missing out for the sake of missing out and there's no other reward. That's right. That's how I justify it. That's part of it. And I think that like everything, like we talk on this show, there's a balance. And in no way am I saying get rid of your cameras and video cameras. It doesn't matter. But I'm saying we don't need to capture every single moment on film. And if and we can also ask other people, like maybe someone there who is not quite as invested as we are, mm-hmm. to do the taping so we can actually watch. And this is not about for anybody else. You know, I... Someone could be listening to this and saying, well, videotaping is what I love. Photography is what I love. That brings me joy. Okay, we're coming from a totally different place. What I have learned for myself is I am much more content to sit and take something in in the present moment. I have never worried about taking pictures. Ask anybody from 
I think I had a disc camera in high school. I don't know what a like, disc camera is. Oh, everybody had a disc camera. It was one of those. It was like square, and you use disc film. I'm sure someone listening remembers. But I think I had one of those. But I've never really. That's never really been my thing. And so, and part of that is because I know that I like to be there. Mm-hmm. And so this could, you know, go in different ways. Where someone who loves photography, that is what feeds that their is soul. Their, yeah. And so, you know, it's not about making an argument that one of us is right and one of us is wrong. It's just an example of being present versus more being more worried about showing this videotape two weeks from now than actually taking in the experience in the moment. Right. I hear you. I'm with you. So everybody's different. But I think what we're tra- challenging ourselves and everybody to do is if it really kind of feeds your soul to videotape that, then go ahead and do it. It does for me because I know I'll use it again. Um, whereas you, if if, so, if somebody out there is doing it just for the sake of they feel like they have to or they, anytime, they should. Right. Anytime you do something and you're saying to yourself, I should. It's that's probably a, not a good idea. That's a red flag for mm-hmm. yourself mm-hmm. Um, that there is some voice in your head that's telling you because other parents are mm-hmm. or because, and this could be with anything, I should volunteer. Mm-hmm. I should go buy a new shirt. Mm-hmm. I should go get my hair done a certain way. You know, all those things are other people's voices or our culture impacting the way that we think usually. And sometimes it ends up being a good thing, but should is usually my red flag. Right. I hear you. Um, Can we um, make a switch over to parenting in the past? Yes. And explain what it is you mean by parenting in the past. Parenting in the past is usually where we, we are with our kids and instead of being present with their experience and looking at them as separate individuals from ourselves, we do things to ensure that they don't have the same experiences we did. The negative experiences probably, right? Negative. Or that they don't become that kid that we remember sitting next to when we were seven. Right. I have so many parents who say to me, oh, I remember, you know, I don't want my kid to end up being the shy one. I don't want my kid to end up being like the geek in class or the one that's picked on. We carry all this baggage from our own childhood and put it on our kids. And in the name of, quote unquote, protecting them, we parent them with all that ideology in our head. And So an example would be there would be a parent who would push their kid into a situation that the kid is not prepared for. So say, you know, it's the first day of camp or whatever. And the parent says, no, you have to go over there. I'm like in, in, in the parent's mind, they're thinking, this is how I'm going to help this kid is by pushing, 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 even though the kid is not in a place where uh, he or she is comfortable doing it. But your baggage is forcing the issue. It's like you're trying to swim upstream. Well, let's just talk about that swimming mm-hmm. with you. Let's talk about a personal experience. Okay. You had an issue with not learning how to swim when right. you were little. Right. And you, so when the girls were old enough, you said, I didn't know how to swim, so I'm going to make sure my girls know how to swim. True. There's nothing seriously wrong with that issue. You know, it's just basically saying that's something that's important to me, but it's when you push it or can't see beyond it because of your own crap. Right. I'll say it, you know, that bluntly, where you say, "Well, this was something I needed, so I'm going to make sure my kids have it." No, you go learn how to swim, right. and then maybe you know help them, you know, teach them about the water. But if swimming is not their thing, right. then you don't push it because of your fear. Right. I hear you. That's, that's does that make sense? Or the or the being shy thing. Right. Um, I was shy, so I'm going to force my kid into situations that they're uncomfortable with to ensure that they're not shy like I am. That's not fair. Well, and the thing that I will um, try to say is I, I think a lot of parents, including myself, would say, well, if I do push 
my girls to swim, then they end up being good swimmers. So mission accomplished. But I think it's at what expense. Right. So sometimes you push your kid and they'll end up doing it because they don't want to get in trouble or they don't want to disappoint you. But they're not doing it for the love of swimming. Right. They're doing it to please you and to not get in trouble. And I think the repercussions of that is eventually that stuff ends up coming back to bite you in the butt. Right. And something you and I talk about a lot is intention. Mm -hmm. Like our girls have taken swimming lessons. This is not about swimming. But when they take swimming lessons, it's because they've showed an interest and they want to do it. And they did it last summer. And then this summer I said, do you want to do swimming lessons? And they said, no. And I, and we were like, okay. Mm -hmm. And so the intention behind it was we've, we let go. Right. If, if you would have still been in that fear place of they must learn how to swim, you would have said, nope, you're going to do it. And so we could use this with any situation. Right. We're just focusing on swimming. So if you're listening and you're thinking, well, then, you know, why bother doing anything? Well, mm -hmm. of course you want to expose your kids and try different things. But when we're holding too tight to something because of our past experience, you know, like the parent who said, I wanted to be a dancer and I didn't end up dancing enough. And so I'm going to make sure my kid keeps dancing so they become what I didn't become. I think the easiest extreme example I can come up with okay. is those crazy parent uh Parents who dress up their kids like princesses, like toddlers and tiaras. That one. Oh I've my never gosh! Have you seen that show? I've never seen that Holy show. Holy moly! But that is the easiest way, easy example I can give of parents. I, I don't know. I think what what they're doing is trying to make themselves feel better by putting their kids in these ridiculous costumes, and it's got nothing to do with the kid at all. No, and, and you know what? I don't even know if it's about the costumes. It's about the competition. It's about winning. winning. It's about my kid being the best. And and again, I'm jumping, I'm being a therapist right now, but possibly, possibly, I'm disclaimer, some of those parents didn't win mm -hmm. a lot when they were younger for whatever, whatever that means for them. And so my kid is going to be a winner mm -hmm. and I'm going to push this through and do what I have to do. And most of those parents on that show, I've watched Tyler's and Tiara's two or three times. It's very depressing. Yeah, I don't um, want to watch it. I know. Remember the night you came in, you're like, why, why are, you, are watching you watching this? this? It was, it was like a train wreck. I had to. Is they're like, my kid loves this. They love doing this. They want to do this. And then the next scene, you see the kid bawling because he's or she's three and getting spray tanned. Right. You know, do you really think, I mean, we put these blinders on our eyes, you know, and say, oh, they love it because they love this part or whatever. Well, that can be done without being on a competitive stage. They right. can dance and sing and play and have a good time and dress up mm -hmm. without having to be the best. Well, and I think if I could have a mantra for my parenting style, it is to keep them safe and get out of their way. And yeah. those moms and those toddler and tiaras shows is the opposite. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're just forcing their kids to be somebody who they probably... And the thing is, the kid will probably be so brainwashed to say, oh, this is what I want to do. Of course. And they really don't, but they... Especially if the kid has won. Right. And they've been taught yeah. that this is the only way I'll be able to please my mom exactly. or dad. And it's usually the moms on that Or show. get through the world. Right. You know, that who am I if, with, I, don't. if I don't win? Right. And, you know, and again, we're kind of getting off the parenting from the past and future, but I'm sure that that those parents, there's something in their past that has told them, if my kid is not the best, if my kid is not a winner, I'm not going to feel good. They're not going to succeed. There's something that's driving them. And I think what what Todd and I want to share on this show is if you really let go of of what all the things that happened in your past, relatively speaking, let go. Like I'm not going to I'm not going to consider that my child's life is going to be identical to mine, that I'm going to let them live their own life. And you, you release your grip on the worry about what's going to happen two years from now. You will only parent from your heart. Mm -hmm. You will parent from a place of 
of openness. You will parent from a place of love because all of those, because past is all about um, fear, mm -hmm. right? And future is all about stress and worry. Right. You know, past is like, oh, this could happen because it did. And future is all about, I'm stressed, this could happen. And so if you're really there in the moment, like the story, I think I told this on a different show, but my friend who took her child, um, she, she had to be in a meeting at the school with her child because her child was struggling. Mm -hmm. And the, you know, her child was crying and was really upset in the meeting because she was indeed struggling. And this mom decided just to kind of stand there and glare at her like the rest of the, the, the people, the in people the room. were doing. The teachers and counselors. Exactly. And when I say glare, I don't know that that was happening, but no one was really comforting her. And then when I talked to my friend about it, she said, well, all I really wanted to do was hug my daughter in that moment. And I said, why didn't you? She said, because I didn't want those teachers to think that I wasn't invested mm -hmm. or that I was being too easy on her. And that's all worry about what someone else thinks. And that's all about worrying about authority from our past. Right. And if she really parented that moment, it doesn't mean her child didn't need to get her grades up and get her act together, but hugging her in that moment is not going to be harmful. Yeah. And I think parents, um, we all have a, we live through our children in a certain way and that's mm -hmm. not a healthy thing. And if we can direct some of the energy, like these crazy moms on this toddlers and Tierra show and dads, it's not just moms, there's dads, moms on there. and dads, if they can direct maybe half of that energy inward and look at themselves Thank you. instead of you know, their whole, um, their, their success and their validation and their feeling about themselves is only dependent upon the child's success or failure is so effed up. And if you can direct half that energy towards looking at yourself and looking at yourself in the mirror and figure out what it is that makes you tick instead of putting it all on your kids, I think we would all be better parents. Oh, I, it's awesome. I'm so glad you said that. Very nice. Thank Very you. nice. Thank you. And because that is really the bottom line. I think that is what we try to share on this show is the reason why self-care is so important. The reason why self-awareness, that's the title of my books, The Self-Aware Parent. The reason why um, conscious thinking is so important is if we look at ourselves and understand how we tick, it is so much easier to let our kids be who they are. Mm -hmm. If we are, if we are caught up in the way things are supposed to be or how I should have been, or that this should be this way, then we force our kids to be something they're not. And we don't give them the space to become who they are. But if we are clear in ourselves, and again, when I say clear in ourselves, it's an ongoing process. There's no day where you say, I got it. Mm -hmm. But if we, like Todd said, invest our energy in keeping ourselves healthy in whatever way that looks. Well, and it's role modeling too. Like I know a lot of parents who just put their child's needs before their own and their, the, the parents' whole lives are dedicated towards work and parenting their kids. If you can show your parent, if you can show your children that you have your own life and you have your own dreams and you have your own needs to kind of grow in certain directions, like you're doing your dance thing, I'm doing my piano thing. I'm doing the piano thing because I love to play the piano. But a byproduct of that is these girls are knowing that their 39-year-old dad is not going to stop learning stuff. And is not afraid and is, follows his dreams. Right. And the thing is, is it's, this, it's this bottom line, you guys. If you're going to be a martyr with your spouse, with, you know, with your children, whatever... Your children will learn martyrdom. Mm -hmm. If you are going, and if you're going to learn, you know, whatever martyrdom means, not taking care of yourself or putting everyone first, that's what your children will, will learn. If you really want to teach your children how to love themselves, take care of themselves, and enjoy their life, you've got to do that. Right. And in a way, I hope that's a relief for parents to hear because I hope it gives some, them permission. It gives you permission. Like Todd and I 
whoever we are to you, mm -hmm. give you permission to make yourself a priority. Now, and what, you know, you keep that in balance with the fact that you are indeed a parent, and that is a very high and important responsibility. But part of that responsibility is making sure you're up to the challenge of parenting. Right. And to be up to the challenge of parenting, you have to take care of yourself. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. So... Good. Um, parenting in the future, we've kind of been talking about it. Is there anything that Well, we... I think parenting in the future, bottom line, is stress and worry. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times we, you know, get, we'll be in a moment with our children like a child, maybe our child bites or bullies somebody. Right. And we have that experience and they're like five years old. Right. And all of a sudden we jump to that when they're 18, they're going to be this crazy kid who, you know, is awful and that everybody else hates and goes to prison. And we do these things in our head where one experience, we let it lead to something that's not true in the future. And you know why I know it's not true? Because it hasn't happened It yet. hasn't happened. It's not, and you know, parents will always, when I was doing more coaching, they would say, but it could happen. Well, yeah, but this whole floor could cave in right now. Are we worried about that? Right. Are we, you know, anything could happen, but let's focus on what what's happening right, right now, right. which is parenting from the present. And so let's help our child, or perfect example, Todd, because we talked about this at our presentation the other night. Now the presentation, real quick, what was that? That was a group of husbands and wives. And wives, yeah. Because you usually do it with just the women. And uh, this woman who hosted the party, Shireen, mm -hmm. she got a bunch of husbands there. So I tagged along, and it was awesome. You didn't just tag along. You were my co-presenter. I was you your co-presenter. Co and so, yeah, it was it was a great group, and it was so nice to have the dads there. Because that way the moms don't have to go home and tell the dads everything that was discussed and helped. So, anyways, that's my shameless um, plug. Plug. Well, exactly. And then you're on the same page, right? Yeah. So like you said, you don't have to go home and regurgitate all this information. You're there together and you have something to talk about on the way home. Absolutely. And hopefully, so hopefully I interrupted for days you. to come. Where, where were you? I don't know, honey. Sorry. That's where my was bad. I? Where was I? I? Well, I, you know, just basically focus on where you are. Mm. Try and stay in the moment with your child. Don't worry about what could happen. It, again, it doesn't mean that you don't take that information so it it causes you to take action on something. Sometimes mm -hmm. our concerns or worries can be helpful and that we'll take action, mm -hmm. you know, but taking action is still present. Right. Worrying, as Eckhart Tolle says, mm -hmm. pretends to be necessary, right. but really does nothing. Okay? Yeah, and you you think it's all important. You're like, oh, they, this worry is motivating me and pushing yeah. me to do certain things, and really it's a drain. It's an energy drain rather than something that increases your it's, energy. It's completely taking your energy, and you can be present and take action without T attaching worry to it mm -hmm. easier said than done work in practice or well, work in progress but you know it's well and a tool that i use when i let worry um uh, overcome me is going back to the basics focusing on your breath drinking water looking water's around huge why is water so huge i don't know it's i drink what, water too it's what I'm... we're all made of yeah. and look at the trees just look at nature and that kind of centers me and then i get off track and then i start worrying about something else again but it, if i can maybe have an one extra 30 second moment in my day of total presence uh, my day's gonna be better and so. you're teaching your brain not i don't like the word training or mm. controlling you are teaching your brain and allowing your brain to have that respite and it'll want more mm -hmm. and, and and I think the trick is to have the awareness of when you do let your your worry overcome you. And 
I let my worry overcome me all the time. But what I'm good at is recognizing that. Yes. And saying, Finding okay, balance. I'm out, I'm out of whack here. I need to get centered. I need to go for a run. I need to do something. So Exactly. It's getting back into balance. So I want to uh, wrap up by saying a few things. Um, I have a book release party coming up on August 19th. It's in Elmhurst at Essential Skin and Beauty on York Road. And you can go to their website, Essential... Uh, Essential. Essential. Essentialskinandbeauty.com or my website, uh, kevixaniadams.com to get more information about it. But basically, Todd and I are just going to be there signing books and I've got gift wrapped books and like, you know, little gift packages and information about the radio show. And Todd's got his cool little Zen Parenting Radio Visor that he's going to sell. And we're just going to be there hanging out. And there'll be... Um, Essential Skin and Beauty is offering massages, like $10, 10 minutes. And then Jen Wiley, who is a uh, chef in Elmhurst, she's going to be offering her food. So just stop by. It's just an open house. It's not a commitment. Just go out to eat downtown or go get a drink next door and stop in and say hello to us. Please support us. Please support us. And then um, Parenting Resource of the Week um, is a really good one. I'm excited about it. Um, my friend Laura from high school, who um, I love dearly but haven't seen in a long time, she and her friend Kim uh, started a business um, about four years ago. They were both special ed teachers, and they decided to stay home with their kids, but they wanted to start a business, and they started making these great um, T-shirts, and their business is called Candle Kids Wear. Um, it's spelled K-A-N-D-L-E kidswear.com, so you can go to their website, and they it, their business is completely local and sustainable. They use um, American Apparel organic T-shirts, and everything that they sew onto the T-shirts is made from recycled plastic bottles using no-impact dye process. Can you believe that? That's How cool awesome. is that? Awesome They stuff. are so cool, and I love what they're doing, and their T-shirts are so cute, and um, Laura's actually sending me one or two, so I'm excited. And I just really think you should check out their Facebook page, Candle Kids, Kids Wear, and go to their, um, again, their website, CandleKidsWear.com. And again, for my friends in DeKalb, this is Laura Caleri that I'm talking about. This is her cool business, and they're in Austin, Texas. And here's the movie line. You must chill. I have hidden your keys. Chill. I love you, man. All right. I love you, too. Go to sleep. Before I'm buzzed. All right. If you know what that's from, Facebook us, and we will um, maybe put you in for a new hat. So this is Todd Adams saying goodbye, and this is Kathy Adams. Have a good week. See ya.